Hey everybody, we're back with another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're going to be talking about why you should go to confession. Yeah, we're going to talk about the biblical justification of confession. We're going to talk about what you should do when you go to confession for people who maybe haven't went in a while. And we're going to talk about why confession is so good for your soul. And just a heads up, it always begins with, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Father Rich, good to see you. Wish I could be hanging out with you. We started talking for 30 minutes before the show, and I'm like, man, I want to get back in the studio with you guys. And it's going to happen real soon. I'm, I'm yeah. stoked. Yeah. Next week, yeah, we're going to be back in the new studio. So uh, we moved our studio from Houston to uh, the Diocese of St. Augustine, which is going to be uh, pretty cool. So check that out. Um, but yeah, today we're talking about uh, confession, right? Uh, Confession is one of those things that I think a lot of people have multiple problems with um, and stumbling blocks when considering. A lot of Protestants will say, well, why should I confess my sins to a man, just a priest? Why can't I confess them directly to God? Other people maybe feel a lot of fear and anxiety about going back to confession if they haven't been for a long time, probably since their, you know, since their confirmation, a lot of people. And then, and then other people who aren't afraid of it and don't disagree with it just don't remember what to do, what you, what you actually are supposed to do and what the actual steps are for going to co uh, confession. So we want to talk about that today because confession is so important. Confession is just, our God is so merciful. And the fact that he set up this structure so that we can get true spiritual, um, I guess, easement of the sins that we commit over and over and over again and then also the physical reality right here in front of us to let us know with certainty not just we hope that they were forgiven through our prayers or whatever but an actual physical sign and a physical sacrament of it, uh, it it's it's it, such an important spiritual thing that you know in today's church it just gets overlooked so much i mean you always hear the saying that the line for communion is 10 times longer than the line for confession and that's a tragedy because confession is such a beautiful sacrament. And it goes hand in hand with receiving the Eucharist. And as St. Paul says, we can receive the Eucharist to our detriment. And we do receive the Eucharist to our detriment if we are not confessing mortal sin. We need to realize that confession is there so that we may enter into a full communion with Jesus at the Eucharistic banquet. And confessions of your sin help you to turn away from the powers of evil and to truly be absolved, to be washed clean, renewed in your openness to Jesus, to receive the Eucharist and live out that communion with the joy and freedom that it entails. But when you actually receive the Eucharist in the state of mortal sin, there's no way that that joy and freedom can be accompanied. And yeah. If that's what you're doing regularly without going to confession, what's going to come at the end of that is, I don't believe. I don't believe Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist. I don't believe in the church anymore. I still feel the same anger or wrath or depression. 
you know, these past couple of weeks have been so powerful in reflection on the scriptures that Holy Mother Church has administered to us and reflecting on how we fail to love our neighbor, reflecting on the book of Sirach this past weekend and how tightly we clench onto the sins of our lives and how, you know, reluctant we are to actually forgive others their, their infirmities and their, uh, you know, sins and transgressions against us, you know, well, that's kind of putting us in a, a locked in situation to that disposition of discontent. Um, so it's important to realize why confession is there. And we're going to be, you know, establishing in just a moment where it comes from scripturally and also how it's practiced and just kind of as a, a renewal of, of your own kind of mindset of entering into the confession. What do you do? And first thing and foremost, don't be afraid. In the confessional, you encounter the merciful Jesus and the person of the priest. And the priest is celebrating in persona Christi the power and the authority that Jesus established in his church with the authority to forgive sins as he established that with the apostles, which we're going to get into in just a minute. But before we do, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons. We really appreciate your support and your financial contribution to make sure that this show continues into the future. So big shout out to all of you and all of our followers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you want to check out more about our Patreon, go to the Catholic Talk Show website. You'll see a button to click on Patreon, or you could go directly to the Patreon app at patreon.com forward slash the Catholic Talk Show. We want to say a big thank you to them, as well as our sponsors, especially Ave Maria University, my alma mater that I love so much. And I was in the practice when I was at Ave Maria to go to confession regularly once a week, and priests were there ready throughout the week and weekend to hear our confessions and help us to grow in our devotion to Christ and reception of Eucharist worthily. So I want to give a big shout out to all of the priests, all of the administration, all the wonderful people at Ave Maria University. And as, as we're getting ready to start the show, I'm curious to find out from both of my brothers, you know, Ryan and Ryan, from your earliest recollection, you know, you were brought up to go to confession. You know, we're all cradle Catholics. But when was the first time that you actually like had a very powerful experience taking the sacrament of reconciliation seriously? And what was that experience for you? Because I would love to hear your testimony about going to confession and, and where like it kind of shifted for you being so important. Yeah, you know, well, <clears throat> this may not surprise you, but I was a pretty serious child, right? So for me, uh, confession, the gravity of confession hit me pretty early, right? Uh, the, the, you know, I remember my first confession very clearly. I, I even remember what I confessed, right? But I think the one that really, really um, was almost adult-like in its uh, understanding of the gravity of it was maybe about 11 or so. And the priest was awesome. It was Father Lambert from St. Justin Martyr. He was the, fo the founding pastor of that parish. He was, he was very old at the time, too. And it was just such a, a uh, powerfully guiding experience. He took extra time to really... I guess, counsel me on, on the sins. And these were, you know, kid sins, you know, well, I got into a fight or, or this or that, or, you know, I stole you got into this. A fight when you were a kid, I got into a lot of fights when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> got in a lot. Um, but, you know, he really took the extra time, not just say, okay, you know, 
your sins are forgiven, move on to the next kid. I remember he gave me um, as a piece of wax uh, in like a, like, a, like a mesh heart that had been blessed by the Pope. He's like, keep this on you. And when you think you're gonna do these things, remember that you have this holy thing with you. You know, it was really, it was guidance on not only how to get over these sins, but how to avoid them as well. So it was a very powerful early experience with confession for me. And, um, you know, I've always taken it pretty seriously. What about you, Ryan? Uh, yeah, my, um, I think, I think, you know, so I went to, to church and it was just not like, you know, my parent, we prayed over meals and stuff like that. And I, I don't think our parish really kind of got into this. I, I never had a priest. I was not fortunate enough to have a priest like that. <clears throat> so my first confession was probably like, you know, uh, going to get something done so I could get a confirmation. I mean, that was probably that, that that's the way I, I look at it. Um, well, you would have gotten it before, before first Holy communion, I'm sure. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, yeah. I, I was just saying like my only recollection is confirmation. We went uh, to confession. Uh, first, first time I did not have a recollection recollection of it. Um, but then, yeah, then came back into the church on a retreat, uh, have a long story, really wretched life, uh, you know, lost everything and, and was just nowhere to be found. And my buddy invited me on a retreat with the CFRs, big shout out to them, the Franciscan Friars of the, the Youth 2000, what was it? What kind of retreat was it? Those Youth 2000s were awesome. Yeah, it was one of those. Uh, it, you know, it, it was their Eucharistic retreat, yeah, you know, yeah. but it wasn't one of the ones in New York. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's where most of those were. I'm not sure, but it was an extension of that with a guy that actually was from Jacksonville. who I'm still friends with today. Father Gabriel. Yeah. Um, Father Gabriel, big shout out to him. Oh Good man. Yeah. And so he set all this up. And so I went and I went to adoration for the first time, met Jesus. So like my conversion came when I met Jesus in the Holy Sacrament. Um, it just changed my life. I mean, I was just like, I'm, I've been looking for you my whole life, you know? And, uh, and then the next day I told my small group that, you know, Hey man, I had this awesome experience. This is like Jesus over here. Like I'm telling everybody what's going on. And they're like, yeah, we already know what's going on. <laughs> And, uh, and then uh, Mary, this girl, Mary, who is uh, the godmother of Vinny, one of my kids, uh, who we spent summer vacation with, that we're still friends today, her and I mean, she got married, her husband and I are friends. And, um, but yeah, she, uh, like I, I told her, I was like, yeah, man, this is all she's like, you need to go to confession. <laughs> she's like a little wiry St. Louis excellent. girl, like you need to go yeah. to confession, like kind of like, okay, you know. So I went and um, man, it was, it was so beautiful, man. It was like, you know, I, th I, I met Jesus. I, I, I knew my life was changed forever. And she pointed me to him in, in the sacrament of confession. And I had a, a father, Andrew Apostoli was the, the guy. No that led way. Me through my, oh, wow. Yeah, he led me through my first confession. God rest his soul. Um, and it's funny. Cause there was a, there was a line, you know, because a lot of the kids were getting in line. And, uh, you know, I go in there and I'm, I'm telling them a lot of stuff, you know. 
uh, 10 years, I've been away from the church and I'm telling him a lot of stuff. And he's like, Hey, I think you've covered all of this and he point, <laughs> pointed me out. He's like, the line's getting bigger. I think I was in there for like 30 minutes. Like, am I doing this right? I want to do it. Jesus, baby. I love Jesus. Like I want to do this right. You know? So yeah, he was just like, yeah, good. Pointed to the cross and then told me that Jesus had already died for all my sins. And it just all just came over me. Like this whole religion, this whole, you know, everything I missed at one time just came into focus for me. And that was it. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. And, you know, obviously I've, I've sinned a lot after that, but um, that was my first confession. That's what I remember. And it was beautiful. It just opened up more space in my heart for Jesus to live, Amen. you know, mm. like he had filled me up from the outside with uh, adoration and in the Holy Eucharist, he fills us up from the inside he probably does it with both. I'm not a theologian, but, and, uh, but yeah, it was like, then the next day I went to, uh, uh, to receive the Eucharist and I was just like, wow, oh man, you love me, man. This is mm -hmm. great. We got a thing now. <laughs> that is so, that is so true. I'm, I appreciate you sharing that story because I don't think I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard from both, either of you guys, uh, your stories about confession for me, you know, I was cradle Catholic as well. Um, I have, like Delacrosse, I don't have any recollection of confession when I was uh, preparing for First Holy Communion. I don't remember going to confession, but confirmation I remember very well. Um, this poor priest that was kind of riddled with cancer, and I had no idea. He was suffering pretty terribly but he was behind the stained glass window and I was here, I knelt down and I started confessing my sins and I saw him on the other side kind of go like this, you know, <laughs> listening to me. And I was like mortified, you know, I was totally mortified. Um, after co confirmation, just really never went back to confession for years. Yeah. And then I, when I got hit by the Holy Spirit reading the scriptures, after my reversion, I went to a neighboring parish and we brought up Father Tetlow a number of times. And I expressed that I really needed to meet with him. And I had a lot of things on my conscience and the things that I had done that were really weighing me down. And I'll never forget it to the day I die. You know, he wound up sitting down with me for close to three hours plus and heard my confession and just listened to all of the burdens of my soul. And I poured everything out. And at the conclusion, he gave me a penance and, and absolution. And I had never felt that much freedom and joy in my life in one single moment. And that was probably one of the most profound experiences of confession. And I find myself in the predicament of having a, a large you know, group of people waiting outside to go to confession, I do try to take a serious amount of time and an intentional amount of time with each penitent. Um, not that it's necessary that we spend so, like three hours in confession, because that's very, very rare. Um, but the experience that I had of his compassion, his empathy, his, his care and concern and, and kindness, and I didn't feel judged. I felt like somebody was genuinely, you know, reminded me that I'm not defined by my sins. And it became such a powerful catalyst. So when I received the Eucharist and I came to the altar, I felt washed clean. 
And I felt so overjoyed getting closer to the altar that when I received the Eucharist in the state of grace, it was so worth it. And I started going to confession regularly after that. And I really haven't stopped ever since. There have been, there've been times in my life and periods of time where I would go once a week, other times where, you know, the sacrament isn't as available. And, yeah. you know, so, you know, maybe once every three weeks or once every two weeks or once a month. So I'm kind of in that situation right now where I, I, I'm not able to get to the sacrament as often as I would like. So I'm, I'm in need of going to confession now. It's been like a month or so. Um, so I'm desperate in need. And, and you may be at home right now listening in or viewing our content on YouTube. And, and you may be thinking, hey, I need to go to confession. It's been years since my last confession. Well, this show is for you. And as, as Ryan Shields is going to share with you in just a minute, some of the like scriptural basis of confession, you know, I really want to encourage you as a priest, as, as a pastor, you know, be not afraid to go into the confessional. There is only mercy in the confession. There is no judgment. And in the seal of confession, the priest is bound by excommunication. If he violates the seal of confession and breaches the confidentiality of confession, he is excommunicated by the act itself. So it is a very serious sin when a priest does that. We take confession very seriously. And most of the time, it completely moves through our mind. And what we're focusing on is God's grace and mercy, not so much your sins, but applying mercy in the place where you are most wounded. And that is the great work entrusted to us by Jesus. So Shil, in, in your remembrance, because you have that photographic memory and is such a great gift, you know, you, you were sharing in conversation Leviticus, you were sharing some Old Testament stuff, some New Testament stuff before, stuff before we started the show. Yeah. So how could we scripturally associate the, uh, you know, the sacrament of reconciliation in the Bible? Is it in the Bible? Sure. So I'm sure you hear this all the time. Why would I confess my sins to a priest when I can confess them to God? Well, number one, God already knows your sins. He's omniscient. He sees them, right? You're not, that would be like, confessing something that you did right in front of another person because he sees them. But I think that's a stumbling block to a lot of Protestants when they're considering the act of uh, the, the sacrament of confession is, well, why would I, why would I tell my sins to a priest? Um, well, because it's biblical, right? It's biblical and it's because it's the way that Jesus ordered it because he knew that we needed that in his care for us because after the ascension, he would not be here to directly give you absolution. They also say, well, well, if Jesus died on the cross for us, why do I need absolution of sins? Didn't he clear all of our sins? Like, well, once saved, always saved. Well, that's kind of a, absurd, a little bit of an absurd concept that, well, once I've accepted Jesus, I've been saved, but then I can go stab a poker. And then I'm still saved. It just there's doesn't no, work there's like There's no that. pursuit of virtue. Like there's no right. pursuit of virtue and the greater freedom and nobility of humanity. And, and we could just stay saved in that one single moment of grace and now just kind of live, live right. life uh, loosely. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly lose your salvation, right? Um, but I mean, this, the, the sacrament of confession is biblical. Uh, even in the Old Testament, if you read uh, Leviticus 19, 20, 19, 20 to 22, uh, it talks about how the priest, the, the, the priesthood of Aaron, even in the Old Testament, acted as the minister. So here's one of the things that people get wrong. They think it is the priest himself who, by his own virtue, forgives sins. It is not. 
It is the priest acting as the minister of the forgiveness of God. God forgives your sins. The priest delivers his forgiveness. So I got, I got some like in Acts, how God works through Peter and the apostles when, when, you know, the demoniacs were, you know, lifted all the things that Jesus did mm -hmm. in his ministry that he passed on to them. You saw through them, Absolutely. right? In, in Acts. So absolutely, I mean, this is that, just, that's this is just one aspect of it. That's absolutely right, Ryan. Because after they got the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and after the uh, institution of the priesthood at the Last Supper, um, and at the Great Commission where he told them to go and forgive sins, right? The priests and the apostles are working on the authority of the Trinity, not of their own authority. And you can see the 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 Old Testament. Uh, correlation here in Leviticus 19. It says, if a man lies carnally with a woman, they shall be put to death. So right away, we're talking about a capital offense, according to the like Mosaic law. Like yeah. Okay. But he, the sinner, shall bring a guilt offering for himself to the Lord, and the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of guilt offering before the Lord for his sin which he has committed, and the sin which he has committed shall, shall be forgiven. So you see right there, a person who had sinned goes to one of the priests of Aaron, right? One of the, yeah. the Old Testament priesthood makes an, a, a guilt offering and his sins are forgiven. So number because, one. And, this and is, there's an important function there that we, that we can't miss is that he manifests his sins. Manifestation absolutely. of sin is an important step. So I'm so glad that we're putting this in the context of Leviticus. Let's, let's continue. So well, I, mean, you, I, I won't ahead, even Ryan. say too, it's like he's using a priest to lift to God, like, like a pre, like, this is all about the priesthood, right? This is not about like, you're telling this to a priest. Well, it's, this is all about the priesthood that was instituted by Christ where you guys act in persona Christi. Like when, when the heaven reaches down to earth, it goes through your fingers, Absolutely. right? And this is, this is his decision, not ours. We didn't make it up. Nobody like said, hey, you know what? Let's see if we can get in between this awesome event. No, God had set this out. Even in the Old Testament, there's a lineage of priests. Absolutely. Sacrifices. You know? Now, Ryan, like, we want to be able to see, Ryan, we want to be able to see your face because the expressions oh, oh. you give. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, again, I think a good analogy is, is that the power of being able to forgive sins, you know, consider electricity, Right. The electric, the, um, I don't know, electricity is a force of nature. It is not something that is made by human beings. Now, it can be generated using the known ways to generate electricity and delivered, but nobody makes electricity. It's a harnessing of a power that is not their own. And I think that's a kind of imperfect way of looking at it, that it's not the priest's power. It's the priest being duly uh, deputized by our Lord through the, the through the priesthood to deliver the forgiveness for sins that Christ won for us on the cross. Christ's forgiveness, Christ's sacrifice are sufficient for all sins. And deputy, deputy Father Rich. That's it. And the priest is that <laughs> I like the priest deputized. And the priest ministers that. Now, now if you look, if I guess for a New Testament example, and this is really the I, I mean, it's as clear as day, this scripture, and it's John uh, 20, uh, verses 21 20. and 23. I love, I love just saying John 20, 20, because it's like, see things clearly, right? Start with yep. 2020, and then you start with peace be with you. I love yep. this. 
Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So again, as the Father, the first person of the Trinity has sent the, uh, you know, as, as, as he sent Jesus, the so son. Jesus is sending mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his priests, right? It is that same commission with that same divine authority. So he is sending. And when he had said this, then, the lineage of the priesthood, the lineage of the priesthood never stopped. It was always there. We're Judeo Christian. It's like, absolutely. God, God doesn't change things up. It's a new covenant. All this stuff is like wackadoodle. No, he doesn't do that. No, not at all. So continuing, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If, the, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I mean, it could not be more clear right yeah. there. Jesus giving the authority to the apostles and their successors, the bishops and the priests, to forgive the sins or retain the sins of people, right? That is directly granted by Jesus Christ. So when anybody says that confession or the Catholic sacrament of confession is not biblical, well, they just simply don't know their Bible. And that's that's tragic because confession is the work of mercy of Calvary. It is the the fruit of the blood of the cross. And it is something that we, all people, are granted to in munificence by Jesus Christ and right. that we would reject it is a tragedy. But what would you say about all the evangelicals that you know, and, and I listen to Christian music with my kids and, and like I listen to the words and they've received God's mercy. They understand this. So there has to be a delineation here between, you know, a person who's like, it's not biblical because that's, that's from the Baptists, whatever, mm-hmm. to like an agnostic, somebody, or not even agnostic, but a Catholic agnostic where they just don't know about this stuff, but they've received God's mercy. So how do you explain that to me? All right, I get scripture that's theological, but I've personally been received God's mercy, right? Of course, and, yeah. And and I'm a Christian, and I'm singing a song. I think it's I think it's Ecclesiastes, but that the sun shines shines on the sinner and the just man equally, right? Right. God's right, right. mercy is for all people, and there's ways that God is merciful outside the the sacrament of confessions, certainly. Yeah. And, and it there's doesn't problem- mean that you aren't yeah. going to be receptive to, you know, like you can be receptive to, and that can have an effect on you. And if you want to find a doctor who would speak authoritatively, which she isn't technically a doctor yet, but she, God willing, will be a doctor in the church one of these days, is St. Faustina, the Secretary of Mercy. She goes into great detail about the hardened sinner's heart open to receive mercy whether it's the chaplet of divine mercy, whether it's the reading of scripture, whether it's uh, heartfelt contrition, whether it's all those things, you, you can't discount that we like because of mortal sin, because of our sinfulness, that that God's mercy uh, has absolutely no effect. It's an action of God's mercy that you actually think, oh, I'm sinful. I need to go to confession or I need to go. I yeah. need to think, you know, that's an action of God's mercy in and of itself. Just Again, you showing know, I, you showing you your sins to yeah, I, reach out to him. I love analogies, right? <clears throat> and um, certainly God can do whatever he wants. He can forgive anybody in any way, shape, manner, or fashion. He can forgive a person who's non-Christian at any moment he wants to. Um, 
and the catechism will teach that, that people, even non-Christians, at the moment of death can, through the sincere act of contrition, get a full absolution of sins. But that's like in the analogy of planning to find a diamond just by walking around and finding it. It can happen, but it's extraordinarily rare. But the sacrament of confession is like being able to go to the diamond store and get a diamond anytime you want, right? There is a normative way and a way that was set up so that it was accessible, so that it was mercifully easy to encounter, as opposed to wandering around this whole wide world, hoping to find a diamond randomly, which is a almost impossibly rare event, right? So I think that's a good analogy of certainly people can find mercy and God can forgive whomever he wants, but in his divine wisdom, he set it up so that his church can minister to those people who fall into sin time and time again, because he's a merciful God. Um, so, you know, even those evangelicals or whomever who have experienced God's mercy, certainly you have. God is, has more mercy than could ever be counted. But God here's the normative. God is, is but here, so you're experiencing God himself. Exactly. So, but here's the normative way to go and find that as opposed to finding it in the wild, as it were. And the, and the, the refreshing thing is that, you know, and, and the Catholic Church gets pinned up as like, we invented the uh, sacrament of confession. Like, no, like Jesus commissioned the apostles with authority as, as God. We just heard John 2020. So I, I highly recommend reread John 2020 because it is very, very clear. Receive the Holy Spirit, right? So now Jesus, who is commissioning his apostles to go out and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? The authority is in the name of the Trinity, and, and that's what you're doing in the name of. Mm -hmm. Then he's, he's giving authority to the apostles in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what? To forgive anyone's sins, Forgive anyone's sins. That's the, that's the literal words that, that Jesus is using. Forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retain, retained. Lo, I am sending you. Right? Jesus is clearly sending. And he is sending in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, priests to absolve and to forgive sins. Period. And there is a long lineage in the Catholic Church of priesthood that is succeeded by countless lines of bishops all the way back to the apostles, right? It's apostolic that is succession. Whole apostolic succession in a nutshell. And we have this priesthood in the same lineage of the, the, the priesthood of Aaron in the Old Testament. There were important realities tied and, and bloodline tied to that priesthood. Same exact thing in relationship to the laying on of hands and the passage on of this lineage still active in the church today. It's something that should be absolutely celebrated and, and explored. So, you know, again, this is in the church. Why would you not go to explore what is provided to you in the church in this sacramental function that Jesus himself expresses in John 2020? Yeah, I think a lot of people misunderstand that. Well, well, priests were just an invention about Constantine or something, you know, they've read on the internet somewhere. But uh, the concept of priests in, in Judeo-Christianity goes back to 
the Last Supper. It goes back to the priesthood of Aaron. It goes back even further to, to the priesthood of Melchizedek. It goes back yeah. to the priesthood of um, of um, Abel, the just, offering grain to God in thanksgiving, right? The priesthood goes back to the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Priesthood and the sacramental nature of the priesthood is a design of God so that people can have, you know, we are incarnational, right? And we, God wants us to be able to experience the transcendent without being like Moses having to see it through the cleft of the rock, right? He wants us to be able to see it right there. And that's why he gives us these physical and experiential sacraments because we are a a physical person, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, God could just say, poof, you're forgiven. But how would people know that unless God overwhelmed us with his majesty and our heads exploded from seeing it, right? I I almost look at it like... uh you got the sacramental and then you got people that aren't sacramental and they're experiencing something that when we experience the sacramental has a vibrancy to it. Uh, 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 just like a mate, like it's like you were saying a diamond, right? So you can, you can totally worship God. You can totally love God. I mean, it's just, it, there are so many awesome people that are even holier than I that, you know, are, are living a Christian life without the sacraments. If they were to go to the sacraments, they would probably end up saying the same thing, right? It's just like, this is, this is like an infusion in the, the depths of my heart. Like it's, it's literally God's flesh grafting upon my own, right? Can't, can't explain it. Right. But, but they're experiencing God and it's great, but it's kind of hard to lead them there. Usually it kind of comes with their own, like, questioning and their hunger and their, you know, cause God, God well, uh, feeds us. Yeah. Know? And that's God calling in their hearts to bring them to the sacraments because that's what he made the sacraments for. Right. People are not made yeah, for the yeah. sacraments. Sacraments were made for the people. Yeah. And that movement, that feeling of, of that, that is God's calling you and magnetic pull into the sacraments because as Trent teached, you know, or taught, I'm sorry, extra ecclesium, nulla salis, right? Father Rich. Mm-hmm. No, Absolutely. he doesn't know what you Absolutely. just said. Yes, he does. He knows exactly what I said. <laughs> he said he's outside the Catholic Church. None are saying. I don't want to say what I was going to say. And, he knows exactly what I said. I know exactly because we've had this conversation many times, and you know. But I, I before we get into the details of confession, which we're going to do in just a second, I think it would be fruitful uh, to realize one: look at the look at the history of the priesthood. Look at the fact that sin offerings have been made in Judeo-Christian practices and that Jesus himself, the high priest, he institutes this sacrament to continue in the lineage of what Jesus offers, right? He is the sacrifice. Jesus is making himself the atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Like that is so loving and so incredible that is far superior than any type of altar offering of any type of goat or, or ram or bullock or dove or whatever it may be. Jesus I, offers himself as that sacrifice. And the, the lineage of offering goes as, as the Eucharistic prayer one expresses what Ryan Shield just said. That's why Eucharistic one is one. The prayer for Eucharistic one is so powerful because it, it draws on the sentiments of the priesthood of Melchizedek. It draws on the, the sacrifice of Abraham, 
you know, it draws on the sacrifice, able to just like to get foretaste of what was in the Old Testament all the way leading up to now. Yes. Now, to kind of contextualize for for all of our listeners, I have the rite of penance book, and this gives you the sacramental layout and the structure, which I know Shield's going to dive into here in a second. But I want to give the introduction that is in this book because I think it could be helpful to you. The church is deeply concerned with calling the faithful to continual conversion. This is the sacred congregation for divine worship, their decree, as it relates to this ritual book that is still active right now. So think about that. The, churches, the church is deeply concerned with calling the faithful to continual conversion and renewal. If you're sitting out there thinking in your head, yeah, like I could see, okay, confession, I could see the lineage, I could see the history, I could see the scriptural base. Yeah, but it's just so embarrassing to go back into the confessional and confess the same sin. I hear that all the time. Oh, I just don't want to confess the same sin. We are called to continual conversion. It's our only hope to continue to turn with others on that social element of all being sinners to Jesus, who is our only hope of the forgiveness of sins and sanctification and renewal from the way that sins make us feel angry, despondent, isolated, wrathful, impatient, short fused, all of these different things that are effects of sins. We've got to combat that back with this continual effort. And the church is making that continual effort to reach us so that we may continue our conversion and our renewal. It desires that the baptized who have sinned should acknowledge their sins against God and their neighbor and have heartfelt repentance for them. It takes pains, the, the church takes pains to prepare them to celebrate the sacrament of penance. Huh? The, you know, this is what I communicated to my parishioners. If I need to be in that confessional all day on Saturday, that's where I will be. Because this is the, one of the most important things that priests do, commissioned to do, is to forgive sins. So, Sheil, I know that you're, you're going to jump in here and, and uh, share a little bit of detail on, on, you know, the sacrament itself. Sure. So <clears throat> I think one of the big questions is, is, is who can go to confession, right? Now, the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church actually says that anybody who is baptized or that for that matter, anyone, any person who truly believes that they are receiving in the Catholic understanding wow. in and actually understanding what they are receiving in wow. moments of great danger or imminent death anybody can oh. go to the sacrament of confession with a catholic priest it could be a muslim it could be an agnostic it could be a baptist it could be anyone because the church has great like like that uh preface said goes to great pains to be merciful now uh, can i can i ask yeah, please so uh i only heard you say at, at their they're dying, you know, where they're dying, right? They well, can't do or, it now. Or in, in, in imminent death, right? So like maybe a soldier is going into battle. Maybe oh, there's a answer. large natural disaster, right? Answer. They can do that, right? Yeah. Otherwise, the church would say prepare for it because the church in its prudence wants you again to prepare 
to tr fully receive that and to be fully cognizant of your sins. But in times where that preparation is impossible, it errs on the side of mercy and will allow anybody to go to that. Now, gotcha. that being said, uh, any baptized Catholic can go to confession anytime, obviously. Look, it, here's another thing is if you've been divorced and you haven't been remarried, you can go to confession, right? I mean, you can. A lot of people stay away from uh, the sacraments after divorces or after, you know, they've been away for a long time or they didn't get confirmation or, or whatever they've done. They've apostatized and want to come back. Just go to confession and you're, you're back on track, right? Now, I, one of the things I think a lot of people that prevents a lot of people from going to confession is a lot of times people don't know how to go to confession anymore. It's been so long. So Father Rich, you know, how can you maybe walk people through uh, who haven't been to confession in a while, how to come back, how to prepare themselves, right? Uh, and what they're going to experience when they get into that confessional and what kind of the order of that process is. Well, first and foremost, to do a good examination of conscience. What is an examination of conscience? Let's make it simple, right? You've got natural law in your heart, right? And, and the distinguishing of right from wrong and the guilt that's associated from doing things that are wrong. Taking the Ten Commandments, which is revealed law from God, right? So now you have natural law, you have revealed law, the Ten Commandments. Start there right? And then begin to examine your conscience as it relates to what you have done and what you have failed to do. And taking that, and there's so many other resources online too. And in the comment section below, I'm sure Sheila can put up a, a, uh, a good examination of conscience for you to yep. possibly look oh, at. You got some homework, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that'll be she, the show links. I'll put an examination. Yeah, she'll, of she'll does these things and, you know, like with a blink of an eye. Um, you know, so she will put a, an examination of conscience there for you that can help you with the steps leading up to going to confession. But one tip that I'd like to give you from my own perspective of how I personally prepare and examine my conscience, right? So examining conscientia, which is the Latin conscience, which means with knowledge, with the knowledge of what is revealed to me that's sinful. So I go to the Ten Commandments and I begin with the first commandment and I go to the tenth commandment. So the first commandment is, I'm the Lord your God and you shall have no other God before me. Right? This is all fight false idols, false worship. Um, you know, and we may sit there real quickly and say, Oh, well, I don't worship Baal, or I don't worship like these these uh, you know, I'm I'm I don't believe in many gods. I, I do believe in Jesus. I believe no. Pope Benedict has given us the most wonderful tool to establish in our own minds what we worship. And he says, you will realize what you will worship for that for which you have time. Wherever you are investing time, you should really take a closer look at and to see what is occupying your time. It could be, it could be sports that can really occupy your heart and, and or you know leisure or the pillow god you know, and, and, you know, the you're turning to alcohol or spirits, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, your God, you turn for consolation there. Um, you know, you turn to others, you make yourself your a God, your stomachs can become your God. That's very scriptural. 
um, you know, your appetites, all of these different things uh, can really occupy uh, your time and, and like how you allocate that and, and what you do with your time before God is like, wow, you know, actually, I only am considering like worshiping God once a week for an hour. What am I doing with the rest of my time? What am I investing my heart in? What am I looking for to, to appease me? You know, um, that, that's one thing. And then the 10th commandment is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's uh, goods. So I look at all of that and, you know, and everywhere the, in between and then everywhere in between. But I start with those two bookends. Oh, you do. Okay. I do. No, like I that's start good. with that's the awesome. first and the 10th commandment. And I always, always 100% of the time find things that I do like the power of YouTube and how it can suck me in. And I watch countless hours of YouTube videos and conspiracy stuff. You know, and I just know, like, and, and you guys know that about me. I'll but send like, you a couple links. <laughs> you know, and like, I'll get sucked in and my spirit gets disturbed. Well, I'm really investing a lot of time in an area that I'm not investing in God. So what am I investing in, right? So that's kind of how I, I, I start, but it's very good to examine your conscience. What are the things that make you feel guilty? What are the things you're ashamed of? What are the things that have you with a heavy heart? natural law, then 10 commandments, and then looking through an examination of conscience will prepare you to go ultimately to the church to meet with your priest, either by appointment or during the confession times. Now, if so you, yeah, Father, how would they do that? How would a person uh, figure out when they're able to go to confession? I mean, I know, explain it for people who might not know how to do that. For sure. So first and foremost, you want to reach out to your parish, go to their website. If they don't have a website or they don't publish a time of confession, try to get a hold of a bulletin. Most churches have a bulletin and they will have published in their bulletin times of confession. If you still can't find it, call the office, reach out to the secretary, reach out to the pastor. You know, I'm looking for times for confessions. I really want to go to confession. After all of that, if you still can't go to the church, Go to church for daily mass or a Sunday mass and talk to people. Ask people, where can I go to confession? Talk to the priest on the way out. Father, I'd really like to go to confession. I see that you're interacting with people. You know, do you have any time for confession or how can I make an appointment or something like that? Asking those questions, making it a priority. Um, you know, unfortunately, in some places, you know, like, like Delacrosse was saying, the sacrament of reconciliation may not be celebrated in your particular parish with great enthusiasm. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't go to your priest who has clearly the faculty by Jesus Christ and say, Father, could you please hear my confession? I really need to go to confession, right? Knock and the door shall be open. Search and you will find, you know, do your very best and search and yeah, you will and, find. Yeah. And those are all the ways that are probably extreme. Chances are just go to their website and look it up and they'll tell you what times they are or call them. I mean, but th those are extreme examples if maybe you live in an area with very There's few Catholic churches, but it, they make it painfully obvious what times there are. But then, Father, so now we've, we found, we've done an examination of conscience and we found the time, right? We know, okay, it's going to be Saturday at 1030. Uh, they're standing in line, right? What are they going to experience next? What should they, uh, what, what should they anticipate when they open that door uh, to go into the confessional? 
So right when you walk into the confessional, you know, some, it just depends on the confessional itself. There may be a screen or, you know, a place where you can kneel if you want to remain, remain anonymous, which is perfectly fine. And the sacrament is actually written in that manner where anonymity is a part of it. So you can actually kneel there behind the screen and go to confession, or you might see a seat perfectly appropriate if you would like to sit down during confession as well especially if you have knee problems or if you're getting older, you know, don't feel like you have the obligation to kneel to go to confession. I personally love to kneel when I go to confession. It's definitely more of a penitential posture, but you would start by saying, bless me, father, for I have sinned. You would make the sign of the cross. Bless me, father, for I have sinned. It's been a month since my last confession. It's been a year since my last confession. It's been 50 years since my last confession. And these are my sins. What's that? Why do they do that? Like, why, why do they start it out saying it's been this long since my last confession? It's context. You know, it's, it's context. I don't think it's, uh, it's, it helps, it helps, it helps the priest to be able to understand what he's about to get into. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And And also, and and it also also helps the penitent. It, it helps the but it helps the priest out a lot too. It's like, if I know for a fact, like it's been a week or a month, okay, you're in a good, you're in a good rhythm. If it's been 40 years, 30 years, well, let me just say, you know, welcome back. Yeah, like, yeah, welcome yeah. back to the most beautiful sacrament. Yeah. And I'm just so happy to have you as you reflect on your sins. What are the things that you need to confess? You know? And th- that's just like the formula, right? Bless me, father, for I've sinned. It's been, such and such a time since my last confession. But if you forget and you freeze, it's totally okay. The priest is there to say, okay, let's walk you through this. All right. I invite you. You can repeat after me. Bless me, Father. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, for I have sinned. I can't remember the last time I went to confession. These are my sins. Confess your sins. If you're having difficulty, I don't know if this is a sin or not, but I kind of feel bad about it, Father. Talk to the priest about it. You know, Father, I'm kind of ashamed. I'm really, I'm really having a hard time expressing the, this sin. You know, this is what's going. On. It's like taking out the trash, and they don't accept the paint cans. You know, it's like, hey, listen, you you take out all the trash, they'll sort it out for you and take it out. So you know, the thing is, it's not about you know having you know like specific elements of trash in your life and like looking at it closely. It's a, it's a place where you can really unload all of the, the stuff that you have built up inside of you that's causing you the feeling of being dirty or the feeling of, of being guilty or shame. And, and it's a place to be received by mercy and to be able to clean out and have that catharsis, have that open-hearted experience of Jesus looking at you and saying, you're not defined by your sin. You're loved. And, and Jesus so willingly looks past the fault to remind us that our capacity and our worth and, and our identity and dignity is tied not to our sinfulness, but our inability, our ability to turn to him and, and depend on him for this constant conversion. So, yeah, so as you enter into that environment, like to know that priests are there to walk with you. So don't feel like you have to have everything figured out when you go in there. It's not a magic best. spell. It's not a magic spell. Yeah, that's, you don't have to say these to perfect words. And, and if you don't do it, you're still going to hell. It's not like that. The priest will say, okay, well, look, if you are a 
Catholic who is very accustomed to going to confession. Well, the normative and the best way is, forgive me, Father, it's been six weeks since my last confession. I have done X five times. I've done this four times. If you can enumerate them, you should. I have stolen three things, right? You should be able to do that. But if you can't, you, sometimes you can't. Sometimes people have done so much crazy things and sin so often. There's no way, even physically, because of the nature of their sins, they could even remember it, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, like that well, across, like... I got it. It's better to enumerate the amount of sins you have. Yeah. So if I go, I got to remember how many times I did it when I go in there. If you can, you certainly should. I got to start, start writing that down. But that's not realistic all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. you might have had somebody who's had addiction problems for a long time and they've oh, yeah, committed many sins that they couldn't even possibly remember. Right. I right. mean, I'm not, I'm not proud to say it, but I mean, I've been drunk enough in my life where I've done things there. I didn't remember it, you know? So what, if I didn't remember it, I'm damned to perdition? That's, that's not the way it works. So the more you can lay them all out, that's better for you, right? Because you're specifically getting these things off of yourself. Confession is about freedom. Confession is about not walking around with that spiritual and emotional baggage and you walk out feeling better. So if you can specifically say, these are the things that are bothering me and these are the things I've done, that means that you are more aware of who you are and the better you are off um, with you have that self-awareness. But if you can't take everything out and do a big spring cleaning and then we'll get to that point later where you start to enumerate like and kind, right? And that is like best practice. So I'm so glad that you brought that up, Sheil. It's best practice, but it's best practice for those who are exercising the sacramental life to the fullest extent. And they're really digging deep. You know, we've got to take baby steps as Catholics. And I think when we, we look at, and I was actually considering this earlier, I was talking to a, a evangelical brother at a, at a birthday party earlier today. And, you know, biblical literacy in the Catholic church is very poor. You know, it, it really is like, how many people know that the sacrament of reconciliation is in the scriptures? Well, I will counter could, that Padre that... I will counter that, that if biblical literacy is poor in the Catholic church and they don't know that confession is in scriptures, well, certainly evangelicals who tout themselves as being very, no, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that in relation. It's not, it's not an apologetical argument. Me. Like, and, and this was actually for, for me with this evangelical brother, we're having a beautiful conversation and, and it's like, you know, how many of us, you know, are following the liturgy to the point where it's like, okay, now we're in the book of Sirach and we're going to give a bird's eye view of Sirach. Now we're entering into the gospel of Matthew. And this is the chapter in which this is happening. And, you know, let's, let's look deeper. We, we really don't have a lot of that in the Catholic church. We have a lot of the practices that are drawn out of the scriptures, which are incredibly fruitful, but you know, we need to take Integrate. baby steps and we yeah. need to really start, you know, inching forward to understand, okay, this is where it's coming from. This is the scripture. This is the basis. This is how it relates to the Old Testament. Here's how it's well practiced. Now let's put it into practice and then let's dig even deeper now and then start going numbering kind and really evaluating like, oh, this is the sacramental structure. This is what a sacrament is. It's a tangible presence. Like it's a visible representation of an invisible reality that confers grace like i get actually filled with grace you every guys, time i'm in the sacramental church 
you guys remember the Orthodox priest we had um, on the show? No, but I do remember the Byzantine Catholic priest that we had on the show. <laughs> yeah, oh, very that good. guy. He's Father a, Elias. Father Elias. Elias a nice Rafai. guy. Big yeah. shout Father out. Father Elias him. is great. Um, uh, you know, good friends with him on Facebook. Just absolutely awesome. Yeah. So uh, he came in and and he he noted something very important, I think, to me in understanding the celebration of the sacraments. In in the Eastern tradition, they're mysteries. And they celebrate these mysteries. Yeah, I love that. And in the West, we have to try to explain these mysteries. Remember that? Yeah. And I thought that was a very important distinction. He even brought up St. Thomas Aquinas. Again, saint, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm saying like, isn't that beautiful how our church and its two lungs in the East and the West, one verbally tries to capture the essence and deliver in a very, you know, uh, structured, uh, systematic way. And then the other side of the church, it's like a mystery. We celebrate these mysteries that we receive from God through scripture and that's it. It's like, you know, I thought that was an interesting, um, you know, part it of it. And it's a very distinct and distinctive Eastern way of thought. And I think it's a very cultural yeah. thing as well that, you know, in the Latin West, there was a, there was the urge for codification. And that makes a lot of sense because people will have questions like, show me why. Let's explain it. I need to know yeah. the reasons why. And in the yeah. East, it was really much being caught up in the, you know, the, the, the wind of divine mystery that it's these things that you can't understand. And that's part of their beauty. And I think that's, but anything that's true in the East is true in the West, right? They are Absolutely. mysteries. We can't understand them. But, but also- I, I was just saying like, I was, putting this out there as a, a means for people to understand both lungs of the church. Yeah. It's awesome. I, like, I agree with you. Like it, it, it's not, again, you're, you're like explaining right now, like yeah. the, you know, like, so, I mean, it's just, here's the West. Right. right. But, but it, it's very interesting to me that, that there's the, this, this cooperative spiritual uh, intellectual side of confession, you know, it's Absolutely. beautiful. And I think sometimes, as a West, as a Westerner or somebody, you know, here you get, you get kind of like, you know, you start thinking about it too much, right? You know, you just start thinking about like, what it is, what it is. And then, you know, whereas somebody in the East is like, yeah, you just go, it's, it's this mystery, you know, and like you receive this, this beauty, you right. right it, that's a, that's me, really that's interesting. A very, I think that's a very important distinguish to make because the biggest thing that deters people from confession is, the, 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 the non-understanding that they have a merciful God, right? Like that God is now going to convict me or you know, is convicting me of what I've done wrong because that's what we do. We have a penal code, all these things that are all in front of us, all consuming. And now you have like, you know, somebody who experiences this supernatural gift that God gives you to go to confession, this contrition that you might have. And instead of directing it towards God in the confessional, you know, it, it just sort of festers. And then you, you, I think, I think the devil, I think, you know, convicts people against themselves to say, I can never He's go the back. Accuser. He's, He's the accuser. The, That's what he does. So, so it, it's that, I think a lot of people don't go to confession because they don't feel like they're worthy. And your girl, the secretary of Jesus, right? She wrote the most beautiful thing. I, I might've said it on another episode. It's like, the person who's in the gravest and the most 
the worst shit, right? I mean, she she said something beautiful. Yeah, and keep it going. Has 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 the the most right. Yep, the most the, claim. The yeah. most claim to my mercy. Yeah. Like, what does that say? <laughs> so about awesome. God? What does that, that is, say about that, God? That's a mystery, right? That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that. It, I mean, if that doesn't tell somebody right now that doesn't want to go to confession, <laughs> go to confession. I don't know it will. Yeah. That secretary, you, you, you're a fanboy. You can talk more. About uh, I'm, a, I'm a total. I remember fanboy. reading that and being like, "Oh, it's it's mind blowing, dude." I yeah, really like, appreciate so, that, though, Delacrosse. Thank I worship, you. For I worship God's mercy. I yeah. worship Amen. God's mercy, like because He is mercy. Mm-hmm. I cry sometimes because of all the times that He has just loved me through. At, at, like if you were to plan your life and be like, I'm going to do this. Sometimes I wake up, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I will like a flower, you know, a very nice flower, by the way. But, but, you know, I mean, like, that's the thing is like, to me, confession is like a practice. It's a practice. I keep going back. I keep going back. I keep going back. John Paul II, a saint went every week. Are you telling me this guy's a saint? Well, Why is he going every week? Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Yeah. Why is he going every week? Because he's a sinner. You know, this is a practice. This isn't like just getting you in the box for the first time. This is like a way of life good. that God has Very given good. us yep. to increase us and in, in, in be in, in the presence of other people around us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clearing our hearts out to be, to be present. We're like mantras. Yeah, you know, I think in the early church, a lot of people only went to confession once in their life and they tried to wait until their deathbed to do it or John Wayne. Right. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, really like try to do Wayne. that, but the church has throughout the you know centuries really moved towards making mercy accessible. And that's why, uh, you know, you don't see that where it's a once, you know, a once in a lifetime thing that your confession happens right along with your baptism. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely a good thing. So now I guess wrapping up confession. So, We've done an examination of conscience. We found how to go to confession and we know kind of now what to do when you're in there. And if you don't from this, ask the priest, he'll help you. Mm-hmm. So then after you've confessed your sins as much as you can remember, like and kind, or if not say, and for all the sins that I've committed that I can't remember, which is, you know, the classic line of mine, because you know, it happens, I'm, it happens and I'm <laughs> terrible and I sin a lot and there's a lot that I can't remember. I'm sure. So I always say that as well. Um, what happens then, Padre, after they've uh, finished giving their their accounting of their sins, what happens so, next? So then, so the outline would then go to the penitence, penance, right? So you, as as one who is confessing, you're what's called a penitent, right? You're, you are in the process of seeking penance for your sins, this is the most important thing. And what validates your confession is your fulfillment of penance. And I just want to read from the introduction as it relates to the penitence confession and the acceptance of the penance. So a penitent who has been the cause of harm or scandal to others is to be led by the priest to resolve, to make due restitution. Next, the priest imposes an act of penance or expiation on the penitent. This should serve not only as atonement for past sins, but also as an aid to a new life and an antidote for weakness. 
As far as possible, therefore, the penance should correspond to the seriousness and nature of their sins. Wow. This act of penance may suitably take the form of prayer, self-denial, and especially service to neighbor and works of mercy. These will underline the fact that sin and its forgiveness have a social aspect. I love that last sentence. These will underline the fact wow. that sin and its forgiveness have a social aspect because sin has a social effect. Yeah. Therefore, never, I always get a Hail Mary and a, you know, and a Our Father. And that's not best practice. So, no. you know, I was just the, thinking like but it's satisfactory, on, but it's not best. It's practice. satisfactory. It satisfies the, 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 the validity of the sacrament, but it's it amazing. should correspond. And something that we miss a lot, I think, in practice, too. And this goes out to all of our brothers in the seminary, any brother priests that are listening to as well. And this is for me as well. This is not coming from any place of judgment. This is like I need I just reading through this i'm like oh man i gotta i've gotta shore up a lot of my practices right yeah it's good to go back to the general instructions it's good to go back to the sacramental instructions so restitution you know making right what you've done wrong yeah. that's a part of it mm -hmm. apologizing to somebody yeah like that restitution should be a part of it yeah then yeah. your penance should be associated if it can yeah. Right. The one thing with, that I'll the, the one thing that I'll share is that the penance should never ever 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 reveal the sin confessed. Right? It should never yeah. reveal the sin confessed. Yeah. That would that would invalidate and the priest would be wrong yeah. for doing that. Yeah, right? which in some way that if the priest in some way gave you a a penance that kind of tipped the cards and said, This is what you've done, right? that you were confessing in in uh, confidence that's wrong now also if the priest does not give you penance and you, there is not a penance associated your confession is invalid you'll have to go again if you do not get a penance from the priest it is an invalid confession so that's also important to remember yowza and, and i actually i, I it's, i'm glad you said that too because i always check in with the penitent i always say do you understand clearly your penance Yes. Okay. Your act of contrition. Then you pray your act of contrition, or you could be led by the priest and the priest may say, and I say this a lot of times as well, one of the optional um, acts of contrition is, is an abbreviated one, especially when you have a lot of penitents waiting. You can say, you know, repeat after me, my God, I'm heartily sorry for all of my sins. Have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Jesus prayer. yeah. The Jesus prayer, right? So that, that's an appropriate uh, act of contrition. And then the priest will say the words of absolution. God, the father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Notice that these words of absolution are referring to the authority of what is actually the process in which you're forgiven, you know, by the authority of the Holy Spirit, right? And the, the most important form and what you have to hear for valid uh, absolution is I absolve you, right? Ego absolvote, I, I absolve you 
right? So I want to go through step-by-step step real quick in absolution because I yeah, think- Yeah, and finish the formula of absolution too so people can recognize it. Absolutely. Just so, so we can kind of go, we can go back um, to, to that. But um, so to realize, okay, once again, we'll just kind of go from, the, from you gather there, examine your conscience, you enter in to the confessional, you either kneel or you sit, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned by making the sign of the cross. It's been such and such a time since my last confession, and these are my sins. You name your sins. The priest may or may not give you counsel. He may or may not give you counsel. Then he will encourage restitution. Then he'll give you a penance. This depends on you accepting your penance. You must accept your penance. Then the priest will say, your act of contrition. Then you say your act of contrition. Then the priest will go into absolution. And I'll go through it, uh, you know, one, one word by one word. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his son. So really think long, think about this. Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins through the ministry of the church. May God give you pardon and peace. And I absolve you from your sins in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, the necessary form, the formula of absolution that must be said is I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you hear that, your absolution is valid, right? That's an important piece of it as well. And then the priest will say, go in peace. Thanks be to God. Some people respond, his mercy endures forever, right? You ever say go and sin no more? Go and sin no more. That may be another one. Go and sin no more. I get that one. Yep. Go and sin no more. That's what the the priest says to the penitent, right? Mm -hmm. So once that process is done, um, well, first I wanted to touch on one thing, right? Well, why, you know, I think a lot of people ask this. Well, why is a priest giving me penance? Why I just go say a Hail Mary and Our Father and all the terrible things I've done are wiped away? No, and and I and I the reason I brought up that uh, passage from Leviticus 19 earlier is to show that even in the Old Testament times, there is always an element of giving an offering in reparation for your sins, right? Making a goat offering or a, a dove, or God doesn't eat doves. God doesn't eat goats and doesn't eat a burnt offering. God doesn't need anything. The reason that the you are giving that is because you are making, taking a detachment from yourself and offering it away as reparation, right? God's not going to eat the burnt lamb and God doesn't need your prayers. You need to offer those prayers to reorient yourself towards him. You are not, again, it's not a magic spell. It's not an Our Father and a, and a Hail Mary and, you know, the, the murder you committed is gone. It's not like that. It's it's the sacrament of Jesus Christ giving you that forgiveness, God giving that forgiveness through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you giving that reparation for it. Now, Father, one last thing is that is a person's, um, is a person's forgiveness actually 
affected if they do not do their penance. Yes. So, so if a person does not do their penance, the, the, the validity of the sacrament is in question and it is rendered invalid. That's right. So your penance is absolutely necessary for a valid confession. So please make sure if you have, if, if you forget, you know, maybe jot down or bring like a little pencil and a pad or something like that, where you can, you can jot down your penance. Um, again, your restitution and your penance is that process in which you begin to make restitution and you start to enter back into your social environment with the commission to make right what you have done wrong and to make you know that that sense of that penitential offering to god in expression that you are heart heartily sorry for your sins and you want to spend more time in communion with god so that you be, can be consumed in mercy and continue to spread that mercy wherever you go so now there is the so now there is the caveat that if a person like we said earlier, if they're in a mortal danger or they're going into a, um, an emergency surgery and they say confession, they don't have the opportunity to do their penance. That penance is not rendered invalid if they die before they have the opportunity to do that penance. But if they had the sincere uh, desire to do that, but were unable to because of their death, then their penance I'm sorry, their, their uh, absolution is still valid. So there's that caveat in case anybody knows that or a person who experienced that who were not able to do the penance that was given to them, right? So there I, is that wrinkle there. I'm so glad that you brought that up because you know, there's, there's some you know, people that are suffering because they have been given a lifelong penance. I've, I've released people from lifelong penances that are like unbelievable to me. Some of these things From that I've heard, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. What? But I've heard and I'm, I'm like shocked. Wow. Um, so that's happened to me in my priesthood. And I've, I've, wow. I've released people from these, these types of penances that are just that. completely undo. You can right? do that. You can undo that. That's part of it. Oh the, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, that's, yeah. And, and if you don't do your penance, you should confess that the next time you go to confession and all the others, you know. Right, because yeah, then another... your last one was invalid, so you probably have to reconfess it's, those You've got to reconfess well. all that stuff. Right. I mean, but I mean, I, you know, again, like God's not going to hold it against you if you die or other things. I also think that he doesn't hold it against you if you don't know. Like, I just found this out. I, granted, I've been given very easy penances, you know, most of and most people, most people do receive pretty. Well, but no, no, if you don't know, there is, there is still a structure. So if you did not do your penance, there is a structure and you didn't have the intention to, then it's an invalid confession. It yeah. just, it, it is. And that's not unmerciful, but it's true. It's, it's the same thing with marriage prep, you know, like we'll sit there and issue a prenuptial questionnaire. And if, if somebody's like just straight up lying that they are not going to be faithful to their spouse or they're what? not going to give to their spouse the right by which pertains to the procreation of children, like that, yeah. that invalidates, that, that is a serious impediment to marriage and grounds for annulment. I, I think no. what I was talking about is like, I didn't know, right, when... I went to confession, even if it's not valid, I still didn't know. So, I mean, oh no, so I guess in my spiritual development, as I've grown spiritually and grown closer to God, personally, I, I know this, he has shown me mercy in every single aspect of my life. Yeah. 
And I can't imagine him, you know, if I forgot a Hail Mary on the way out because somebody called me or whatever and I forgot and I didn't even know about it. I can't imagine him being like, you know, your intent was not followed up by that freaking Hail Mary, Ryan. I can't imagine a God like that. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm not, not buying that. Well, you, you can like that's what the church teaches, and I believe everything the church teaches. Yeah, it's not well, my opinion. No, it's I'm a, a heretic. It's not, it's not my opinion. It's not my opinion. It's a teaching of the church. But now that you know, private it can be rectified. Cross is now is is now the catechism of the Catholic Church, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for putting me out there like that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I I get what you're saying. Like, you know, pure ignorance of it. You know, and if the intentions there again, I'm not the arbiter of I mean, god's the, mercy the but i'm just saying it was like walking up to him like you know right. you the son of god. and and i think you know it, it begs it begs us to to express like look if you're ignorant of a particular sin or whatever like there's there's concerns of, like there's no culpability right like you didn't know mm-hmm. right you did not know but now that it's revealed to you yeah right it changes things and it enriches your practice. It enriches your, your appreciation of why the church has instituted it this way. Right. And, and that's the whole concept is actually coming from a place of ignorance to a place of knowledge. I mean, even you are saying like, this is, I'm going to readdress the way I approach confession in your priesthood after you read that. Yeah. Like, Cause yeah. I don't have perfect recall. Like I, I have to be reminded all the time. Like when I read the general instructions of the Roman, I, I, I try to, I try to make it a practice of refreshing every year. That's why I have my Canon law books. That's why I have my patristics. That's why I have, you know, my, my ritual books. It's like, let's look at this. The, having this show is helpful to me because yeah. it's like, let's revisit it. And like, how am I practicing you know the liturgy and how am i celebrating the liturgy how am i instructing people um yeah, i just learned the way something. they appreciate it yeah and i've I, you know even I mean, for i'm me, gonna like, be a little i'm gonna try to remember how many times i've done stuff you know i'm gonna try good. to enumerate it and then i'm gonna i always do my penance i might have forgot one or two times in my life i don't even know i'm just saying like you know I'm sure it's happened to me too. I am sure it has where they gave me one thing and I heard something else. I, I don't think God split hairs like that. And I agree with you on that. Um, the other thing that I do all the time, and maybe this tells you what a bad Catholic I am and how uh, often I go to confessions, I, I'll clam up and forget the act of contrition and they're like your act of contrition. I'll be like, uh, and then I go and I get my phone and I'm trying to look up active contrition real quick. He's like, you all right over there? But most of the time, they'll have a prayer card yeah. in the confessional. The but when they, but yeah. when they don't, I walk in there and I'm like, oh, no. And I start sweating. I'm like, There's, where's the prayer card? I'm like, oh, no. So I'll put it also in the show links with the uh, examination of conscience. I will also put a, um, a prayer card or a link to the act of contrition so you can have that easily on your phone. I always yeah. make sure that I have it with me, or if I don't have my prayer book with my card with me, I'll look it up and uh, have it open on my phone. So when I go in there, so I don't clam up and forget it because I don't have it memorized because that's what a sinner I am, honestly. Um, so there's a couple, and I'll put a couple other resources in there for confession as well. So, but just go, you know, go to confession. Uh, if you haven't went, go it's just you know i want to go now after hearing this and i really i really need to go too it's been too long don't don't just go once like it's an event it's a practice go 
make it a part of your life and, and do it for two or three months, go once a month, go once every two weeks, once every six weeks, whatever, go four or five months. You call us back and tell us how awful your life is. And, and we'll, that's a great we'll point. Give your, we'll yeah. give you an hour back somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it would be really cool to, to revisit what Delacrosse was saying as it relates to the mystery of God's love for us and the mystery of mercy. Um, and in the introduction of this ritual book, it's the entitled, the title is mystery of reconciliation in the history of salvation. And I want to finish with this quote, Jesus not only exhorted people to repentance so that they would abandon their sins and turn wholeheartedly to the Lord, but welcoming the sinners, he actually reconciled them with the father. Moreover, he healed the sick in order to offer a sign of his power to forgive sin. Finally, he himself died for our sins and rose again for our justification. Therefore, on the night he was betrayed and began his saving passion, he instituted the sacrifice of the new covenant in his blood for the forgiveness of sins. After his resurrection, he sent the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, empowering them to forgive or retain sins and sending them forth to all peoples to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name. It is the very central teaching of Christianity, the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Father, we praise you and we honor you and we thank you for the gift of the mercy of your son, Jesus Christ, that realigns our love of you and love of our neighbor. We ask that you may fill us with the spirit of fortitude and courage, that we may walk courageously into the confessional to encounter your mercy and to be consumed by your mercy and renewed in this constant state of conversion that we are called to. We give you thanks for structuring your church in such a fruitful way and a nurturing way. And we pray for a greater appreciation of what you have commissioned in this world through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and give you beautiful times to go to confession as soon as you can. And we'll see you next week. God bless. Amen.